said he was 18. He looks like he's four, you fucking moron. Hello and welcome, fellow muffs. I'm Zach Droll, and I'm joined by my co-host and fellow cinephile, Hunter Venalirup. Yo. We are the box office losers. Each and every week, we deep dive into the movie sphere, watch and review any and all films to ever grace your TV screen and the silver screen. This week, we are talking about the king of Staten Island. Woo, woo, woo. Pete Davidson before, is on the hype train. But before we get into that, guys, news, well, really breaking news at the time of this recording, Sharkboy and Lava Girl is getting a sequel. Which we kind of knew about, but not too much like not a lot of details we just knew that they were doing something with that franchise uh it's titled um shark boy and lava girl i think we become heroes it's gonna be really centered around i think their kid guppy name that name <laughs> um but it's being released new year's day we are gonna try and review it hell yeah dude we'll try we'll try real hard so on New Year's Day, if you don't see Shark Boy and Lava Girl 2 as the episode, it's probably going to be Mulan from 1998. Yes. <laughs> More than likely. And then the week after that will be Guppy. Or Shark Boy and Lava Girl 2. <laughs> and then after that, we might just watch Shark Boy and Lava Girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll go back in time. <laughs> we'll see what the uh, what it holds, and hopefully it doesn't get delayed. Because if it does, then we'll watch Shark Boy and Lava Girl right before it comes out. Oh, no, it, it's all done filming. It just being released New Year's Day. Yeah, well, you know how bullshit works. True, true. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we are talking about the king of Staten Island today, Pete Davidson's, I think, like, first leading role in a movie. Um, yes and no. Outside of, um, what, ad ad Adolescence? Big Time Adolescence, you could say it was, like, a co-lead, but this is his first, like, leading role, I guess you could say, yeah. And this movie was really good. I, oh, this I movie personally is enjoyed heartbreaking. it. heartbreaking. <laughs> I, I personally enjoy it. It's good. It has its moments. It's so it's sad where, where, where it deserves to be sad. Fucking a action Bronson is at the end. <laughs> it's a bunch of fun stuff, man. I really enjoyed this film a lot. Um, me and my boy Billy were really hyped to watch this movie. I'm a big Pete Davidson fan. I think he's funny. I know a lot of people don't like him, but I'm a big Pete oh, Davidson I... guy. I like him on SNL. I've watched his two stand-up specials, and then I've seen um, both of his movies this year. And then I saw him in uh, The Jesus Rolls. Where he just played a quick role in it, which is the sequel to Big Lebowski, but it's not good. Trust me. But um, Pete Davidson is like for, for for me, I, I, I he is he definitely deserves more credit than he than, than he gets. Oh yeah, no, he's got like a, actual talent, and I'm glad that people are finally noticing that. And I'm glad Judd Apatow was able to do it, but he's known Apatow for a while. Well, it's like I I believe this movie was legit. Is it, it's a look into Pete's life if he didn't pursue comedy. It's semi-biographical. He even says that uh, in the original trailers. He's like, this is basically what my life would have been if I didn't move to the city instead of Staten Island and uh, do comedy. And I was like, yeah. all right, cool. Like, I'm excited for that. But, like, um, I just really enjoyed his performance in this. We'll talk about it later. But, like, me and my boy Billy were super hyped for this movie. We were, we were going to go see it in theaters because I think it was announced, I want to say, right before COVID, like around yeah. February or March. They were mm -hmm. like, this is a movie, it's coming out. And I was like, fucking sweet. And then COVID hit, and I was like, no! So I ended yeah, up getting which, it on um, demand when it came out July 17th. I was, so I was waiting for it to be released, like, where I can buy it and not rent it. Because when it first dropped, I think it was on, like, Google Play, it was only to rent, and you couldn't buy it. I'm like, I got I got it when it was able to be bought. And I'm yeah, buying a physical copy when it comes out soon. Well, once I once I saw I was able to buy it, I'm like, 
okay, dropping the 20 bucks now. Yeah. Which is like, I feel bad that this film, like, for, for the budget it had and what it made in the box office, I think if it was released in theaters and COVID didn't happen, it would have made, like, maybe most of its money back. I think it would have made the budget back at least 1.5 times. Yeah. But, like, I, from what I've been hearing about movie theaters, a lot of them said that they might not do new, new movies uh, right at the For beginning. They might do movies that didn't get a chance to have box office time. So King of Staten Island might come back in theaters next year, even if it's for a small run, just to get some more of its box office back. Those are rumors, though. Don't don't quote me on it. But, um, hopping into this overview of this film, uh, The King of Staten Island is a 2020 American comedy drama um, film directed by Judd Apatow from the screenplay by Apatow and Pete Davidson and David Sirius. It stars Davidson, Marissa Tomei, Bill Burr, Belle Powell, Maude Apatow, and Steve Buscemi. And I'll get into those characters when we get there. And it follows a young man who must get his life together after his mother starts dating a new man who is like his deceased father, a firefighter. Hell yeah, and that's Bill Burr. Yeah. Yeah, man. This movie is so good. And that um, overview does not do it justice. When we get into the notes and the plot, we're going to see a lot of like the cool little little nods. This movie is fairly new. So bear with us with with this being probably a short episode because there's not a lot of notes to really talk about. And also, we have seen this, so we don't have our mid movie like comedy yeah, exactly. notes. Yeah, I have a couple notes just of what I remember. Like, I didn't want to watch it again. I feel like that's a movie you got to be in the mood to watch, and I wasn't really in the mood to watch it. But I watched it when it came out, like July, so it's pretty fresh. Mm. And that movie this... is just ooh, makes you feel. And the casting list, I can actually list off these names for once because they're all uh... regular names. <laughs> Uh, the, the movie uh, stars Pete Davison as Scott Carlin, Marissa Tomei as Margie Carlin, uh, Bill Burr as Ray Bishop, Ricky Vells as Oscar, who we might know him as what well, that was. Re- trying to think from from, from Hannah Montana. No, the Moises Arias is. Um, uh, that, that was Moises Arias. Yeah, w- yeah. Why did you list him? Because he's not really a main character. But he's a good. Na- uh, Bell Powell as Kelsey. Maude Apatow as Claire Carlin and Steve Buscemi as Pops. He's just read. He's just in there as Papa. Like he doesn't have like a name. It's just Papa. I, I, I'm calling him Pops because that's, like, that's what Papa every... Smurf. Well, yeah, probably. Yeah, his last name was probably Papa, and they just okay, call yeah, him that. Yeah. Okay. So Moises Arias should have been like listed though. But fuck you. <laughs> I just picked the the top build. I'm sorry, okay. Moises Arias. I I like you. It's just. I think I, I think Ricky bro. is one of um Pete's friends. I think he got one of his friends to be in the movie. It's possible. He got a bunch of his friends to be in the movie. His grandpa's in the movie as Scott's actual grandpa. <laughs> I love his I love his lines. Oh, he's great. He's such a good character too. You know he's in there for like one scene. Yeah, he's in there for like one and a half scenes. It's really good. You know, th- this movie is just so like, yes. It's fun. Uh, I yeah. suck I I was since we're gonna like we're just gushing over this movie because it really is such like a a very fantastic movie. Mm-hmm. Definitely, uh, our, we, check it out. We, we don't give it a perfect score. We, we give it like just below a perfect. Well, yeah, because we're critics at it. we're at a point we are critics rather than just being fans. And as much as I want to give it a perfect score, there are, are things I did not like a hundred percent about it. Mm. And we'll probably get to those at some point. I'll I'll read up my little uh my little letterbox review instead of my mid movie notes to give you a little insight. So uh, the budget for this film was 
$35 million. And the box office, unfortunately, was only $2.2 million because it was released digitally, which means most people pirated it. This did not feel like a $35 million movie. No, it felt a lot cheaper, but I think it's because a lot of the editing and a lot of the um, actors and soundtrack cost money. Because they got, like, good songs in this film. Because I'm, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, cause with this movie, it, it's legit just shot in, like, uh, a couple, like, blocks away from each other. From Yeah, it's every, filmed, like, place. in a house, for the most part, in a firehouse for the other part, and then outside. And then also in, in a basement. Well, yeah. So. It's just so weird. Uh... To uh, the the notes for this film, I'm gonna read the first uh, three paragraphs. Then the so first three so paragraphs. Yeah, I can I can handle it. You sure you can do it? Yeah. All right, chief, you got this. Uh, the film was announced by Apatow's next project in early 2019, with the cast joining. That April filming uh, took place around New York City in June and July. The film has been called a semi-biographical take on life of Davison, who lost his father during the September 11th attacks. And has his own battles with mental illness. Uh, this is very true. If you watch any of Pete Davidson's stand-ups... Yeah, he... Pete Davidson's first uh, stand-up special was called SMD. And it doesn't stand for Suck My Dick. It stands for, like, Scott Matthew or Michael Davidson. Yeah. So, and he's got a tattoo on his neck that says SMD. It's really cool. Sorry for spoiling that joke when he ends up talking about it, but it, it's cool. But, uh... I respect the man. Yeah, like, and I'll, I, my first introduction to Davidson was, like, via SNL. one of, like, well, no, not even. It was what, what a Comedy really? Central's, like, roast. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was on, um I think, Snoop Dogg and, not Snoop Dogg. Oh, God. Justin Bieber. And I, I, I think he was on one before Bieber, because that was where I, that, that was when I watched, like, very closely. I think it was Charlie Sheen's he got first introduced. I didn't see the Charlie Sheen one. I saw the Bieber one, and I saw the one after Bieber. On January 29, 2019, it was announced that the Universal Pictures were producing a new film directed by Judd Apatow and starring Pete Davison. The film was set to be written by Apatow and Davison, along with David Cyrus, with Apatow and, and, Sir, and Cyrus, there we go, uh, also producing the film. Uh, Davison first came to Apatow's attention while working on Trainwrecked after he was recommended by Amy Schumer. Who, uh, hey man, she was okay for a while. I don't hate her. <laughs> I'm just not a fan. He was cast in a cameo role in that film. The story is based in part on Davison's life, depicting what it might have been like if he had not become a comedian. Hell yeah, man. It's very interesting. Yeah, he's basically like, I would have probably just became a fireman. You know, or, it is or, 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 or an artist. Cause he, he does tattoo work. As or well. a tattoo artist who also owns a chicken shop. <laughs> in April 2019, um, Bell Powell, Bill Burr, Marissa Tomei were added to the cast. Maud Apatow and uh, Pamela Adden. Pamela Adlon. That's um, Adlon. Bobby Hill from King of the Hill. Okay. And Pamela Adlon uh, joined in May and June 2019. Colson Barker, otherwise known as Machine Gun Kelly. Uh, He's Jimmy, in this film? Yeah, that's he was the tattoo guy. I didn't recognize him at all. Damn, man. Like how I know him. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jimmy Trey, uh, Tatro. Jimmy Tartaro. Uh, He's a YouTube Tartaro. guy who became an actor recently. He was in uh, American Vandal Season 1. Oh, yes, was, yes, yes, yes. He was the uh, the Dicks guy. And then he was in uh, Neighbors. And then now he's in Tacoma FD. Ricky Vells. Uh, Steve Buscemi. Uh, Kevin 
Corgren, uh, Dominic Lebowski Lebo- for a second. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can you pronounce that last word? Lombardozzi. What was it? Lombardozzi. Lombardozzi. Okay. Uh, another Italian last name. Cool. Mike Vecchioni. Moises Arias, Lewis Wilson, and Derek uh, Gaines uh, joined the cast for the film. Principal uh, photography began June 3rd, 2019 in Staten Island and continued during June and July. Hell yeah, man. That's just the most basic notes. Now I got some fun little added bits to throw on in here. So, uh... <laughs> oh, Drake, yeah, fucking Steve Buscemi was, was a firefighter. Mm-hmm, yep, we're gonna about to get into that. So, Steve Buscemi was a New York firefighter before becoming an actor. In November 2000, Buscemi told uh, Salon interviewer Stephen Lemons that he was uh, in Engine 55 in Manhattan's Little Italy for four years in the early 1980s. He took acting classes uh, after about a year on the job and stayed in the fire department until, uh, while well, his acting... While well, he was acting in movies and plays. Buscemi quit firefighting in 84 to pursue acting full-time. I think 84 is right around the time he started filming Reservoir Dogs and Fargo. Yes. So that's when he got, like, too committed to doing two different uh, movies. But after the terrorist attacks of September 11th, 2001, he returned to his old fire station to help search for survivors in the rubble of the World Trade Center. My fucking man. Look at yeah. Steve Buscemi, man. He's a fucking legend. He's a legit legend. You want to continue reading, or do you want me to pick it up? I'll keep going. So during the final scene, which is a little uh, kind of spoilers, but we'll get there. So during the final scene, Kelsey enters the David N. Dinkins Municipal Building in Manhattan. As Scott walks away from the entrance, he stops and looks into the sky in the direction where the Twin Towers used to stand. It's a tribute to Pete's father, Scott Davidson. It's nice. I did not know that. I didn't know that either until I read that. I was like, ooh, nice. Continuing on before I let you jump on to the last bits. Um, Pete Davidson's father was a firefighter who died in the line of duty. Scott Davidson's unit, Ladder Company uh, 118 in Brooklyn Heights, responded to a call at the World Trade Center after the terrorist attacks in 9-11. They were rescuing people in the Marriott World Trade Center Hotel when the tower collapsed uh, on the building. Peter was only seven years old when that happened. Mm-hmm. Crazy. The movie ends with the song Pursuit of Happiness by Kid Cudi. Pete Davidson uh, has said that the music of Kid Cudi saved his life, as Davison also struggled with suicidal thoughts. Isn't and... Kid, wasn't Kid Cudi enough Bill and Ted? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I knew I recognized the last name. <laughs> I'm not a big like music guy. He know, was like, on the, the station. Do you remember that? Yeah, station. But uh, yeah, like, it's like P- Pete Davison's life is legit, like a tragedy that he has turned into a comedy. Essentially, like, it started off like, you know, his dad died when he was young, he got into drugs really early, and then he had mental illnesses, and then he started coping with comedy, and at around 19 years old, he started doing stand-up in the city, and eventually he got on SNL, I think pretty early after he started stand-up. He's been on SNL for a couple years now. Yeah, I think he might have been one of the youngest cast members. Yeah, I think he was the actual youngest in recent memory. Um, to join at like twenty one. Another fun tidbit about Pete Davidson: he still lives at home. He 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 um he, he lives in the basement, but he like he of course he, uh like, he he refurnished it. It's all finished. Yeah, and he had like yeah, a he, brief stint where he lived in the city for a while, so he can get his comedy stuff going. But then he moved back to Staten Island to support his mans. Yep, the the King of Staten cool. Island was set to have its world premiere at South by Southwest on March thirteenth, twenty twenty. 
but the festival was canceled due to COVID nineteen pandemic. <laughs> Like it, it's if you look at our if you look at the backlog of our films like uh, of all of our reviews, COVID nineteen makes a heavy appearance in a lot of them. Well, yeah. It, um, it was Mulan rescheduled to premiere the music, at the Tribeca you know? Film Festival in April twentieth, twenty twenty, which was also canceled due to the pandemic. Yay! <laughs> Originally scheduled for the theatrical release on June nineteenth, twenty twenty, the film was. Instead, released digitally in the United States and Canada through premium VOD. Do you want to know why? why? Because of COVID-19. <laughs> On June 12, 2020, due to the movie theaters closing, and started in mid, that started in mid-March because of the pandemic re- resurrection. Restrictions, not resurrections. <laughs> well, <laughs> the pandemic resurrection is going to come next February. Don't worry. <laughs> It was um, initially set to play in about 100 theaters, mostly drive-ins, being the same day as the VOD release, but Universal Pictures changed courses after consulting the film's producers. Which was Apatow and Cyrus. That's kind of... I, I would have I, I would have liked to have it in a, a drive-in. Yeah, I would have totally went to drive-in. I think there's two on Long Island. There's one at the mall and I think somewhere else. Well, there's one at the mall now because they just use one of the walls. Yeah, I believe. But no, there's actually two legit drive-ins somewhere on Long Island. Uh, the film was released in cinemas in the Netherlands because, you know, in the UK, they actually have their shit together. Most of June. Europe is pretty good. I think um, Italy is going back into... Uh, Normalcy. No, no, pandemic mode because oh. someone uh, they got a little outbreak over there. Uh, I think it's June, Italy. On June 25th, 2020, France on July 22nd, Germany... On July 30th and Spain on July 31st, the film made about well made 253,000 from 160 theaters in Australia debut and 59,000 in New Zealand. Yeah, we don't have the uh, numbers for the other ones, but they add up to 2.2 million dollars. So it is yeah. rather unfortunate. Uh, do you want to read this one, or yeah, do you want me so- to pick it up? In its debut weekend, The King of Staten Island was the most rented film on Fandango Now, Amazon Prime, the iTunes Store, Comcast, and Xfinity, Apple TV, Voodoo, Google Store, YouTube, Spectrum, and DirecTV. It remained the top-rented film across all platforms in second in its second weekend uh, on all but Fandango Now, and that was at uh, its third. After a month of release, the film remained number one rented title on Prime and top five on other platforms. In late August, the price was lowered to $5.99, and it returned to the second most rented movie on Fandango and on Apple. In October twentieth, uh, in, Oct- in October twenty twenty, whoops, the Hollywood Reporter uh, said that the film had generated forty million in revenue from Universal up to that point. They also reported that the film um, was the seventh most popular uh, premium video on demand title amid the COVID nineteen pandemic. Then I think probably Bill and Ted three took that over once it came out. It's entirely possible. Or um, God, what else came out? VOD. Uh, no, yeah, I think it was just Bill and Ted that took it over for a little bit. Maybe. Yeah, because, like, uh, not, I forget what came if out, we, because we, we can't count Mulan 2020, because that, that was, was paid for. Disney Plus. <laughs> we definitely paid for it. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, on to the plot. No more notes, unfortunately, because this movie is fresh as hell. 
I also just realized that I did. Did uh, Pete ask for, for for his dad's first name to be used as his character, or was that you, like just... you wrote the movie? Okay, well I'm just fucking stupid. Okay. <laughs> he probably just went. I'm gonna use my dad's name, and Judd Apatow was like, "Okay, yeah, Batman, do it." <laughs> He's like, "Yeah, cool." <laughs> and he was like, "All right, dude, thanks." <laughs> uh, yeah, kick us off with the plot. So Scott Carlin is a 24 year old high school dropout who lives with his mother, Margie, and his sister, Claire, on Staten Island. Scott's firefighter father, Stan, died fighting a hotel fire when he was young, uh, a loss that continues to affect him. He also deals with numerous medical problems, including Crohn's disease and ADHD, and he smokes marijuana constantly. He's unemployed and spends his days hanging out with his friends, including Kelsey, who he is sleeping with. Kelsey wants the relationship to be more serious, but Scott fears commitment and worries that he's not good enough for her. True. Scott, (laughs) uh, Claire, who's leaving for college, expresses concern that Scott's neuroses... Uh, will gross will grow out of control without her being there to like calm them down. We all know how Scott feels. Yeah, <laughs> but it's all good. Uh, we love d- Scott. D- does does Pete actually suffer from Crohn's? Because I know he suffers from ADHD. I don't know if he suffers from Crohn's, but I wouldn't be surprised because this is you know biographical. All right. Uh, I'll read the next paragraph. Huh. <clears throat> Scott dreams of being a tattoo artist and practices regularly on his friends. Although his work is extremely inconsistent, you got Obama, Come on, Obama wrong. His eyes ain't right. <laughs> um, one day while hanging out with his friends on the beach, he approaches. He is approached by a nine-year-old boy, Harold. He asks Scott Harold. to give him a tattoo, but runs off after Scott draws a single line. Later, the boy's the father, house. Ray, shows up at Scott's house. He is initially Remember. furious, but is attracted to Margie. Because it's Marissa Tomei. Yeah. Um, Aunt May. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. And eventually asks her on a date. Margie, who has not dated since Stan's death, uh, agrees. As things become more serious, Margie reveals the relationship to Scott, who is who is disturbed that Stan, uh, that that Ray is uh, that Ray. Like Stan is a firefighter. Sorry, this is a really place. good scene when uh, Marissa Tomei introduces him to Ray officially, and Ray's and Scott's like, "Are you fucking kidding me? What are you doing to yourself?" And I'm like, "Oh, geez, here comes the emotions." Uh, Ray takes us. Ray takes Scott to a Staten Island Yankees game. Not New York, not New York Yankees, but like, like the like, kind of like side team. Yes, it's like the minor leagues. Mm-hmm. Uh, game with his co-workers, but finds it difficult to talk to Scott, who argues that firefighters should not have families because of the pain that it causes their death. Oh my that's, god. Yeah, uh, tough scene too. Uh, Margie and Ray tell Scott that they expect him to move out of the house, which upsets him. While visiting Claire, Scott reveals his plans to break up uh, Margie and Ray, claiming that the relationship is unhealthy. He gets a job as a busboy and begins uh, walking Harold and his sister Kelly to school each day, uh, each day and grows closer to them. Meanwhile, Scott's uh, friends plan to rob a pharmacy for oxycodone pills to sell. This is a dumb, this is a dumb plot point. I was like, really? Was. We're going to have these friends go from being like genuine delinquent, like genuine good delinquents to neutral evil delinquents. I was like, what the fuck's going on, man? Yeah. I was uh, like, Scott, and then and then once they get in once they get in jail, there's one scene with one of them, and then never seen again. I was like, come on. Uh, I think there's more deleted scenes. On yeah, the... I didn't see any deleted scenes, unfortunately. Uh, Scott is uncomfortable with the, with the plan, but agrees to be the lookout. The robbery goes um, haywire. Uh, while they are uh, confronted by the pharmacist and his wife, Scott's friends Oscar is shot, 
and they are all arrested by Scott's, uh, and but Scott manages to escape. Yeah. So I I I, I, I do like the inside scene where you have um, freaking Moisha's artist character's phone rings and it's the office theme, mm-hmm. and then the other ringtone I forgot what it was. Yeah, it's all cool, fun meta commentary on like society, man. Nah, it's just cool, like little Easter eggs. I like that kind of stuff because that's what actual people would use as their ringtones. My yes. boss at the comic book store, his ringtone is um, Will Ferrell screaming, "My boy!" My um, my text ringtone is the Kim Possible uh, text tone. My text tone is um, Archer D two going, burr, burr. and then my. Uh, ringtone is the guardians of the galaxy hooked on a feeling <laughs> yeah you gotta love it man so <clears throat> continuing on with our fancy plot scott yes. meets with ray's ex-wife gina who's pamela adlon who tells him uh, several negative things about ray painting him as a homeless gambling addict scott relays his information to margie in an effort to break them up only to end up in a physical confrontation with ray when he discovers what happened this is where they fight and then he throws scott into the pool <laughs> Trying to drown uh, me, like eight feet tall. <laughs> yeah, you try to drown me, dude. You're like eight feet tall. <laughs> I love Bill Burr, dude. He's so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, furious Margie kicks both the men out of her house. With his friends in jail, Scott struggles to find a place to stay. He sleeps with Kelsey in hopes that she will let him stay with her, but she is disgusted when she realizes his ulterior motives and refuses. Out of options. Scott goes to Ray's firehouse, isn't allowed to stay there in return for doing odd jobs like cleaning shit up and like doing laundry. He gradually bonds with Ray and the other firefighters who tell him stories about his father, humanizing him and helping Scott to accept his death. Ray learns from Harold and, uh, that Scott is a talented artist and agrees to let Scott tattoo on his back as practice to get better so he can maybe open up that uh, the, the barbecue joint slash tattoo place that he wants to uh, open up, which I think is a great idea. So within this plot, like it doesn't also it brings up the same thing with um with uh so uh with Marissa Tomei's character and I think uh the character that plays at the ant who is an absolute bitch by the way <laughs> yeah she kind of sucks she she is a toxic person and like that's, yeah, that's and, the point, and, and 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 with like kind of like with with Tomei's character. And she goes, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk outside. And just slams the door in Pete's face. That's, uh, um, th- 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 that kind of took me out of it because a mom would never do that. Yeah. Like, that's that that's something that kind of took me out. Yeah, the aunt really needed to, like, get off fucking Marissa Tomei's dick at that point. I was yeah. like, cease! You're bad. Pete's better than you, and Pete's a drug-addicted loser. <laughs> uh, continuing on with the plot, one day, a man shows up at the firehouse... With an abdominal wound, who is Action Bronson, by the way? Nice. Um, while Scott is there alone, Scott brings him to the hospital, where Ray arrives using his firefighter connections to get the man the help he needs. Which is like a hospital. If they hear, if they see a man with blood on his shirt, they're taking him in above anyone else. Yeah, that's it's, like, it's weird that it like took him a little bit to get him in there. I was like, he was stabbed. Or, or shot, shot, or yeah, you know, you know, he was he was stabbed, shot. His vape blew up in his pocket. He was hit by a tennis ball. Um, <laughs> he stretched strong and popped something. Yeah, oh, that's the worst one. Ooh. Um, uh, firefighter connections get the man the help he needs. Margie, who works at his emergency room, nurse sees Scott and Ray and and reconciles with both of them. Ray shows Margie his tattoos. A number of them are offensive 
or uh or violate violate v- violate Ray's uh criteria. Not really. There was he's like, "All right, no profanity, no dicks, no uh, naked people and it's all that." Most of them violate the uh the pro- the, the stuff, but not no all chi- of them. no Chinese characters on a one orange chicken on my back. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, like, I, I, I just want to get the order for orange chicken just tattooed somewhere just as a joke. <laughs> Tattoo it right in the bottom of your shaft. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Hello, ladies. Would you like some orange chicken for Tang? <laughs> <laughs> but most of the prominent, uh, but most of the prominent, uh, but most prominent is a drawing of Margie, Ray, Scott, and Claire together. Scott surprises Kelsey at the, at the Santa Island Ferry. Um, where he is heading, into, where she is heading to Manhattan to take the civil service exam, he rides on the ferry with her, where he confesses his love for her, and the two kiss. Kelsey heads into the exam room, leaving Scott alone with his thoughts in Manhattan. Before we break that down, they forgot to mention that in uh, in the same tattoo with Margie, Ray, Scott, and Claire, there is the sun that is um, Harold and uh, the other one. No, no, no. It was uh, it was Stan. It was uh. Uh, Scott's father. Oh, in the sun. Yeah, I thought yes. you meant, um, and also the sun. No, 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 no. In okay. the sun. Yeah. That's good shit. Yeah, uh, the, the ending scene was nice. It was, there's like two alternate endings with, um, what came with the, the, the digital version. Uh, one is, uh, Scott ray margie and clara having breakfast together and um and scott goes back to art school oh cool that was mentioned with it because i because he he shows some of the sketches he has done yeah and the other one is uh scott going to kelly's kindergarten class and talking about uh the the job of, of a firefighter that is awesome. I wish I got those in my letterbox review, oh, no. which I'll read. Oh in no, a sec. it's 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 not it's not like he just breaks it down and goes like, okay, who who do you call if there's a fire? Firefighter, all right? Firefighters are pretty cool, right? All right, cool. Go finger paint, <laughs> and that's no, that, it. That's not what I mean by like that. So I'll read my letterbox review after I go through my three mid movie notes. Um, but at the end of my letterbox review, I'm like, man, I wish there was like ten extra minutes to get like a real conclusion. And those two alternate endings would have given me the real closure I wanted. And if I saw those alternate endings, I would have given this movie a fucking ten. Oh no! I it, it's legit. It legit says on like on the on the movies anywhere app with, with the um with the film. I'll I'll pull it up if you just give me one quick second. Yeah, I'll read off my mid movie notes while you get that up. So I only have three mid movie oh, notes, and then wait. I'll read my. Oh, you already got it. Um, yeah, it, it, it's alternate endings, parentheses, which didn't work. I think they would have worked. Not necessarily. Well, cause, because like cause that's it, the problem just... with indie films. Indie films have to leave you feeling a certain way. They can't have real closure. If there's no I... real closure in an indie film, it's not an indie film. And that's uh, what I think. I, I think the as. only one that would have worked is the family breakfast. The, the the one of him coming in talk about firefighter is just like. Firefighters do this, yeah, and it, and they, it's just him and the kids just screaming and going crazy. I think that's funny. Anyway, all right, yep. Read your, so, read your letterbox review. My mid movie notes and then my letterbox review. So my first mid movie note: already watched this year. <laughs> I already watched this film. It was good. I loved it. Second one: fantastic film. I hope Pete gets more serious roles after this and Big Time Adolescence. 
third and final mid-movie note, Bill's Burr's mustache will haunt me forever. <laughs> I, I, I don't get that. I've always seen Bill Burr bald with no facial hair. I've never seen him with facial hair or even hair in general. I mean, I saw him with a little bit of hair in his first ever stand-up special that's on Netflix. That was a while ago. Mm. But I never saw him with um hair on his head besides that one time like six years ago. So I was like, uh-oh. I saw him with a mustache and I was like, oh no. What is this? What is this? <laughs> it migrated. <laughs> yeah. It just hustled down. So... <laughs> I, I oh, had no um, movie notes for this, guys, so... Because I, I, I seen this already, and I also was... Uh, I just... I finished it, like, almost an hour ago at the time yeah. of this recording. Mm-hmm. So I was... And also, I had class during the middle of watching it, so I wasn't yeah. out paying attention. Oh, the name of the tattoo place that he wanted to open up was called Ruby Tattoos Days. My boy Billy reviewed that, and uh, he put down, I would seriously go to Ruby Tattoos Days. <laughs> and he's like, do you know how clean that restaurant would be? That is true. Because <laughs> tattoo parlors are like the cleanest places ever. They are. All right, so my letterbox review. <clears throat> I can't even express how amazing I found this film. The way it makes you feel, the writing, and the cinematography are all breathtaking, and they are Apatow in his purest form. I'm glad he found his stride with Pete and company. I want to see more with these characters, which is unfortunate because it's just like a one and done. But only complaint is that at the very end, if it ends like 90% of indie films with no real, and I use that in air quotes, resolution. I fully understand the message and where the film wants me to take the story, but I would have rather had like 10 to 20 minutes more where he goes to back to school or goes to work at the fire with the firefighters permanently. But you just told me that the alternate ending, he goes back to school. Well, he says he's going back to school. And then in the other one, he's working at the firefighter's house. So... I got my my wish. Mm. So no real complaints there. But having not seen them, I will not change my review from what I labeled it as. And speaking of reviews... <clears throat> do you want to read this or do you want me to read it? Uh, you, you can read it. I have a film and a trip up on the website names. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> my luck. On review aggregator website, Rotten Tomatoes, the film holds an approval rating of 74% based on 269 reviews. Nice. With an average rating of 6.9 out of 10. Nice. The site's critics' consensus reads, The the King of Staten Island's uncertain tone and indulgent length blunt this coming-of-age dramedy's abilities to find itself, but Pete Davidson's soulful performance holds all together. On Metacritic, the film has a weighed average of 67 out of 100 based on 50 reviews, uh, indicating generally favorable reviews. So, Zach, you gave the score... You gave it a little bit of higher score than me, so... You can you read the good review. Okay, this review is good by Will uh, Japot. Gompertz. Gompertz, uh, thank you. It's a fucking British last name. Yeah. Hence why it's from BBC.com. The King of Staten Island is more than the run-of-the-mill uh, genre movie. It is a brutal, honest, first-person account of what what can happen to a family when tragedy strikes. Hell yeah, man. I agree with that. And... Give us that bad review. <clears throat> so the bad review from Rene Sanchez from CinemaSin. Uh, oh, CineSin, it's actually a Spanish uh, review website. He goes, despite Davidson's heartfelt performance, the story struggles to find the right balance between comedy and drama. And I see that at some points. There are points where it seems it's too funny for its own good or it's too serious for its own good. And it didn't blend enough of the dramedy together. 
But it, I still think you'll see my but review. I love this film. It's like, but if you, if you say that, like for me, I I don't I don't see that because also like growing up, I I used to watch the, like the Medea films with my mom because she loved because <laughs> she liked them, and, no, and and those had an had an ounce of comedy and drama in them mm-hmm. for the most part, especially the first one. Yeah. Um. So, my review. Bum 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 bum. Nine tattooed kids who happen to belong to Bill Burr with a mustache out of ten. <laughs> My review, um, nine point five. He looks like a crack. He, he looks like he sells crack under the bridge out of ten. That is when, uh, that's when Tomei's character was talking with them on Facetime, and she's like, "He looks like he sells crack under the bridge." He goes, "I know the guy who sells crack under the bridge. He's awesome." <laughs> and that's when the kid throws up on himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I told you I wasn't feeling good. <laughs> well, yeah, guys, that was the King of Staten Island. We 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 thoroughly enjoy this. Um, Please check it out. Please spend yeah. money on this. I believe it's out on DVD now. And even though there's not a steel book, I hope there would have been a steel book that would have just been all of Pete's tattoos on the steel book. Oh yeah, Judd Apatow, if you're listening, <laughs> yeah, that's free for you, man. That's free. Make it happen. That's for you. But but. <laughs> If you want, you can send us each a copy. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It costs forty dollars, twenty each for us. <laughs> for the but film. no, but hey, if it, remember he he has he's part of uh, of the distribution license. So if you want to send us two copies or one copy, you can send it to uh, Hunter here because I already have the digital version with all the bonus features and it's only 4K. if you make the steel book though we're not asking for a regular copy of the dvd as much as i would love that we're not gonna like beg for stuff but if you make yeah. that cool steel book uh definitely hit me up chief yeah yeah uh our um if you're watching this on youtube our um our business uh email is in our channel description <laughs> i love her talking to jed apatow like he's gonna listen to our podcast <laughs> hey hey man you never know uh, hey, know. we we did get a random subscriber to our channel. I don't know who it is. I tried to figure that out, but Gmail awesome doesn't sauce, tell me. Man. Let's go. So, closing out the show. Bum, 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 bum. Thank you guys for listening. You can follow us on Instagram at Box Office Losers and Twitter at Box Losers for like posters and little funny doodads we do. Yes. Uh, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and share with a friend. But first, before we say bye bye, Zach. Where can we find you on the internet? You can find me at Dark Shadows Ake virtually anywhere. Uh, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, yeah, I'm also a contributor to the Sports Hit List. I will be actually on there today live nice. at 4.30 or about? 5 discussing the greatest tag teams ever at the time of this recording. So The New Day. Yes, it is. No, I'm going to be talking about the Young Bucks. Ooh, interesting. I don't know who those guys are. Maybe I'll tune in and get informed. <laughs> uh, Hunter, where can they find you? You can find me at Scruffy Moose Man on almost every single media platform. And uh, I have two podcasts besides this one that I do. Pound That Button, which is a PlayStation-centric podcast. Sometimes we talk about Nintendo stuff because we all play video games. But was the it is a PlayStation-centric podcast. Huh? How, how was your first impressions of the PS5? Oh, it was pretty good, man. Uh, I, I mean, I don't own one per se. My buddy down the street owns one. He's uh, Alex. He's the one who's um, he runs the show with me. It's really cool. The games are great. The controller feels awesome. The graphics are crazy. The loading screens are non-existent. It's just oof. 
So good. I can't wait to actually get one myself. You can also listen to my comic book podcast. Oh, uh, Pound That Button airs every Tuesday at 10 a.m. You can also check out uh, Android's Amazing Podcast, which comes out Wednesday at 10 a.m., which the day of recording, it came out a couple hours ago. Go watch that, guys. Come on. We talked about Venom this week because the new Marvel event, King and Black, started. So we do a history of Venom and talk about our favorite Venom moments, as well as review new books that came out this week. I reviewed a horror book called Sea of Sorrows. It is mwah, fantastic. Go check that shit out. And, uh, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. You, you got to have me on uh, the comic book podcast one day. I know. I, I want to talk to you about wrestling comic books because there's a lot. Yes. All right, Chief. All right, guys. Thank you all for listening. Uh, subscribe wherever you can find us. Give us a review. Y- you know the drill. Peace. Bye-bye. Tell my sister I know she's my mother. Got here as soon as I could.